move the goals around and make it make sense for your team so you can get some profitable movement in that direction. And obviously the, the sales may take care of themselves. Learn modern marketing that you can use to grow your business in today's competitive landscape. This is Digital Marketing Masters with Matt and Carrie Rouse. Welcome to Digital Marketing Masters. I'm your host, Matt Rouse. And today, Tobin Lehman is my guest. How are you, Tobin? Doing well, Matt. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for being on the show. So let me read your bio here quick. Tobin is the founder of New North, which is an award-winning digital marketing agency dedicated to helping B2B technology firms grow. With two decades of working with brands like Southern States, Pfizer, Thermo, Fisher Scientific, Kimberly Clark, and a host of others, Tobin's earned an industry reputation for taking the mystery out of marketing with clear strategies that earn real results. Now, we're going to talk about agile marketing and, and, and a few other things today. But I think first we should probably, for anyone who's not familiar with the terminology, why don't we define what agile marketing means? Great, great, great place to start. So let me, let me I'm going to back up a second and, and press forward. So you, you, everyone's probably heard of the phrase agile. They probably know it to some degree. And that's actually one of the bigger problems I believe with, with agile is that everyone has probably a little bit of a distorted version or their own kind of take. It's like a telephone game gone, gone bad. And so when we talk about agile marketing, what we're going to talk about is this idea of having a goal focus, but having a, what we call rapid thinking and executing kind of process. And that's really the, the idea behind agile is more of a being kind of, you know, Zen, like kind of like moving with the flow, kind of getting into what you want to accomplish versus being process laden. And so we think about agile marketing, we're basically saying we've got a goal and we're going to iterate and shift that, that tactic or that pool or that work plan in a sense to achieve that goal. So agile marketing isn't a 12 month marketing plan. That's, that'd be the opposite of agile marketing. Agile marketing says in the next 90 days, we want to accomplish this goal. What do we need to do starting today to accomplish that goal? And so there is no, the, none of our clients, for example, right now have a August plan. None of them. And the part of the process in that agile is to say, we know what our Q3 goals are. We're going to move to it. And at the, you know, some point in July, we'll actually start formulating that August plan and we'll agilely kind of move forward. So agile marketing, the big picture is saying we're goal focused, we're outcome focused, we're less focused on just rotely executing a plan thinking we're going to get to a destination at some point where reality is we're starting with the destination in mind first and agilely shifting and moving. And, and that's a lot of the kind of core aspects behind RTX framework, ride the tornado and the, the book, et cetera. So is that a good start to our conversation? That is, that is. And you know, there's, there's a real problem I find that companies who have come to us after they've had limited success, you know, using freelancers or other agencies or whatever, and a lot of that seems to be around the fact that they're out hiring different people to do different specific things and there's no cohesion to it. There's no kind of play in what's happening. It's like, OK, well, we pay this person to do X number of Facebook and Instagram posts every week and we pay this person to send an email every week. and We pay this person to run some ads on pay-per-click or whatever. Right. And what generally we find that works really well is taking a look at all of those things in in every different area and then trying to determine you know how can we attribute the 
um, success of those to, you know, what is either sales or lead generation or dollars or phone calls or whatever that thing that the client's trying to achieve. And, you know, that kind of brings us around. And that's kind of, I wanted to talk to you a bit about this also, because we had spoken about it a little bit in the green room first about attribution. So, some people have probably heard of the no third party cookie thing with iOS and some other browsers and stuff too. Do you want to maybe explain a little bit more about the problem that's happening with attribution right now? Sure. Yeah, I can, let me, let me get into that and let me kind of go through a little bit what you talked about as, as well. I mean, we see that a lot in, in really it's, it's in terms of, you mentioned this idea of, you know, companies buying, uh, resource, right? They're buying certain execution pieces. And and that makes sense. And, and let me empathize with the, the marketing directors out there or the VPs of sales out there. Like I, I get it. The, the reality is that you can quantify some level of output, but that's all you're quantifying. You're quantifying output. You're going to create three blog posts. It is the antithesis of a results-based focus. And so the, the agile framework, the idea of thinking results-based, that's basically why people end up getting frustrated, right? You probably have clients coming to you in that same sense. They feel like, well, I've got all these partners. I got all this stuff going on. Nothing's going well, because you basically pointed your goal at accomplishing a certain amount of posts, not in ranking or your your pay-per-click is, you know, a three month budget, but it's not on actually how many MQLs come through. And so the the differential there is you've got to be able to find a way to think about a goal-based approach, a results-based approach, which leads us to the attribution conversation. But that, that, that is a common pitfall of, of marketing departments or of, of VPs, especially if you're a company like we do a lot of work in a tech space, a lot of tech companies, they're typically sales heavy. They're, they're sales heavy teams. They're not as much marketing teams. And so they come in and they, they understand making cold calls. They understand how many emails they send today, how many leads they follow up with. And so it's very product or, you know, kind of production focused. And they think the same kind of results come from marketing and they can, but ultimately without a goal focus, you're, you're still kind of shooting yourself. So in that, you need to be able to shift to a goal and that you need to also start thinking about attribution. So back to your, your kind of conversation. I mean, this is, this is the big conversation, right? I've got members of my team kind of looking into the post cookie world, post third cookie or uh, third party cookie world and what it goes through. And, and I would just say that, you know, Hey, like big picture, you know, digital is awesome. We're a completely digital firm. We're going to be fine with no attribution, right? Or with less attribution. I mean, the idea of using, there's a couple of different models that are going to you know, kind of come out like these group based models. We'll understand buying groups or even consent based cookies. Like you can actually consent and get a cookie. So we're not going to lose it completely, but we'll have maybe two or three different kind of solutions that prevail. And I, I think it's healthy. I think the amount of data we're collecting, I mean, I'm sure people have seen the social dilemma and things like that. Like there's just a, I think a general unhealthiness. And this is someone from inside the industry kind of confessing that like we don't, we don't need all this data. Um, we need some of it, but it is healthy to have attribution and it's nice to be able to have some of the cookie stuff, have some of that data out there, but ultimately we can paint good pictures. It's Viva La Digital. It's still going to live better than some print stuff. And along we'll have better attribution. We're still going to have analytics. We're still going to have more data than we did about like a random car count passing a billboard, you know, no offense display and billboard companies, but like, it's an aggregated estimate. It's not an accurate analytics. We're pretty accurate. So we're still going to have an accuracy and a kind of overall data centric nature to digital. Um, we just may not be as quite as invasive and have to back out a little bit. So I'm still encouraged by what's going to happen. And I think being a healthy shift kind of keep us all on our toes and it's going to spur innovation. It's going to spur the next thing. Hopefully 
it'll take a little bit of our focus and our world off of social media. Cause a lot of that data is coming from that space as well. And so hopefully if we, cause I mean, people want to, you know, bad mouth social media and all this kind of stuff. And I get it. I'm not a huge fan either, but it's the marketing companies and it's the companies marketing on those platforms that are feeding it because we got the data. So in a sense, I see a little bit of the ecosystem being able to push that off and the marketing will slow down, but potentially a little bit on that, hopefully, and, you know, give them less firepower to start, stop ruling the world in some cases. So, so that, that's kind of my take. Like, what are you, what are you seeing in, in your space with that? I mean, are you, are you guys concerned that your clients concerning about that? There's a bit of concern. I think, you know, I think mostly the concern is, is around people who don't really understand the technology to begin with. So if I give them a report that shows less people purchase things from ads than last month, it's hard for me to say, well, it's because of third party cookies and they don't give a shit what a cookie is. Right. You know, but let me explain that for one second. Right. Just in case, you know, people aren't familiar with that system. What happens is let's say you were to click on a Facebook ad and you went to a website and then uh, a third party cookie is something that gets saved on your computer. Say that you came from Facebook, you went to this website, maybe you made a purchase or whatever that is. Right. And then that gets attributed back into the Facebook management console for ads to say this person, it doesn't say specifically this person, but it'll say a person saw this ad on Facebook on in this day when they were using this type of device, they're from this location, they bought this thing for X amount of dollars, right? Or, well, it usually gives you a total. It doesn't tell you what thing it was, but you can tell by the price. Dollar value, yeah. Yeah, dollar value. And then, I mean, there's some breakdown of stuff like, you know, are they male and female? What age group were they in? That kind of stuff. So a lot of that attribution is not really going to function very well. But I think the biggest driver of the whole, like, Apple and, and Google saying, look, we're getting rid of these because it's for your protection. It's a bunch of BS, right? They don't care about your data protection. Like the companies co collecting all the data on you for the history of time are suddenly like, oh, we don't care anymore. <laughs> you know, it's because then companies will have to purchase without knowing attribution, right? So they're just going to have to buy more ads. It's the old thing about you know, 50% of my advertising is worthless. I just don't know which half, right? Well, now they're going to have big companies are going to have to buy all the ads again because they don't know which ones work and which ones don't. So it's good for Apple. It's good for Google. It's good for Amazon, all these companies. But there's also, there's already ways around that tracking, right? So, I mean, you can connect up your Shopify store to your Facebook ad account and you're still going to get attribution, right? So... So it'll spur technology, right? It'll spur the other solution, you know, and they're like, you know, the, the, you know, browsers like DuckDuckGo or like, you know, already kind of just universally blocking these things. So I think it'll, it'll, it'll do what we would call like a shakeup, right? It'll just shake up enough stuff. There'll be some other innovation. There'll be some other ways around it. We'll still get it. I mean, we've been, you know, I was doing one-to-one, -one, you know, attribution for almost half a decade or more now with some tools like HubSpot and Marketo and things like that. So you've got these great attribution models, even down to the contact. It's valuable. It's good insight. You know, it's, it may not make or break our, you know, our decision process, right. Or our kind of analyzing process in that sense, we lose a bit of that data to track someone individually. And we have clients, we have some clients in the UK with, you know, GPDR. So we're already seeing what that looks like. So I think, if you, if you, as a marketer, you haven't explored that space or, you know, worked in the UK and in that, like it's, it's interesting. It's kind of a, 
and kind of dumping in the deep end of the pool to realize, you know, you see your web stats, you know, to a certain degree, or you don't see your web stats because your analytics is a tracking um, component there. You can see your server logs versus your analytics stats. You kind of see the, you know, kind of the disruption you're going to get in seeing that, but ultimately contact form is a contact form, right? A checkout's a checkout. So it's kind of trying to match it up the best you can. And, you know, the, the, the great promise of digital to be able to match it to dollar to dollar and ROI spend, like we'll still be able to do it. It'll be rougher, but it, it's still going to be a reality going forward. I think it's, you know, it's that the whole privacy individual concern that's kind of raised the awareness across the, the U S and for good reason, we should, we should be careful about it, but yeah, I don't, I don't think it's going to destroy anything. I think it's just going to be more of a pivot, which we're obviously used to in the digital space. So, well, you know, if you're an old guy like me, then, you still remember when attribution and analytics had to come out of your web server logs. And most people nowadays, if you know, I mean, the average marketer nowadays doesn't even know what a web server log is. Right. So it's this data that you would pull and then you would run it into some software that would analyze it. And then it would tell you all the traffic things that you get from somewhere like Google analytics. This still works by the way. Like you don't have to use Google analytics. You could also use other companies' analytics, you know, like Microsoft has Microsoft Clarity and, and some other tools. and Or you can just use your own tool that you download onto your computer and put your server logs in it. And you don't have to give that data away to anyone. But that's kind of an aside. But I think a big part is going to be the e-commerce world is going to take, not necessarily take a hit, but I think that they're probably the... The, the super, super finite tweaking that goes on, you know, with kind of some of the larger ad spend campaigns is is going to it's going to end up costing more because they're not going to be able to do that really fine targeting anymore. Retargeting is going to be tough. It's going to turn more into spray prey than it already is, you know. But, you know, the funny thing about retargeting, and I don't know if you've seen this just going around online and stuff, but man, companies are terrible at retargeting like this. Squadcast software that we use right now, I still get ads for it. Like, just put me in the in the decline line, in the decline <laughs> right. list, right? You don't need to spend money on me. I'm already a customer, right? Yeah, cross reference. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. You know, I guess for some companies, it's like brand. You know, they're trying to keep the branding fresh and stuff, or at least that's the excuse their marketing director is giving their CEO. But you had a good point, though, right? And, and that kind of ties in the cookie thing as well. Is that you know, as, as we see this and, you know, it being a digital space and it sounds like, you know, you and I are at least on the same general crest of the wave with digital. I mean, we, we know what that is probably. It's, it's just a fact that that's a technical exercise, right? That's a communication between the marketing team and the development team or the web team to, to actually be able to then process a subscription and a piece of software that then passes the, the you know, account back to here and blocks it. Like all the fuss about cookie lists, but then the clear lack of integration on the back end side to take advantage of the tool to begin with is, is kind of the balancing thing for us, right? It's like you can be so, so detailed here, but there's so much sloppiness on the back side that actually has more value in a lot of cases. Like, yeah, you're, you know, no one's going to click that ad, but you're also putting it out there, you're spending it or even not even tapping that kind of information. I mean, man, I'm not going to na- not name names, but some clients, you know, don't even do the uh, dollar checkouts with some of the paid ads, right? They don't, they don't tie the value data and e-commerce back. I mean, if you're worth your salt in e-commerce, you're definitely doing that. But you know, if you're a smaller shop, then you may not be doing that unless it's an easy plug-in for you or something like that. But yeah, I think there's probably more we could do with even the tools we have that'll become more important than just relying on the front end data. Cause you know, you have to, you know, this was, I think it was Mark Twain, right? It was like, 
statistics, damn statistics and lies, right? Like eventually you got to kind of figure out what your statistics need to be for your company, not relying on ROI, relying on the, you know, Google's attribution, but looking at your, creating your own kind of data models to kind of figure things out and not just relying on, well, Google says I've got a good click-through rate. Like, well, that's good. That may be good. That may not be good for you. How do you evaluate that and, you know, kind of go into it and actually tie tie a little bit into the book, right? That we talk about that with the RTX framework is like creating your own initial benchmarks and that kind of gets gets into that conversation. Like you need to have your own benchmarks as a company, even you know, even starting them now or kind of moving through. Because if you start recording that data now and start understanding it, if you lost some of that data in the middle between web visits and checkouts, you'll still be able to make sense of it even without that clear picture in the middle. So you kind of using using your own company benchmarks, I think would be a good thing to start now, just to start understanding the front end, the back end. So if you were going from ten thousand visitors a month and you know thousand checkouts to you know, 20,000 visitors a month and you're only at 1500 checkouts, like you've lost some, you've lost some, you know, qualitative conversion rate there. And you need to think about what that looks like and maybe paint some picture inside of that. So yeah, bench, benchmarking will be, people create their own, own data a little bit more. And I mean, it can become an engineering problem, you know, more than a marketing problem where you're like, how do I tie all these APIs together? And how do I get this data back to my Facebook pistol? And how do I get this back to, you know, attribution on that plus being, plus Google, you know, plus whoever else you're advertising with, maybe you're doing Pinterest or LinkedIn. So you got all these places you got to send crap to without your page load time going through the roof. And, you know, so there's a lot of, a lot of engineering involved in that process. But another thing that you can do, and this is kind of a Band-Aid fix, but if you know your company's numbers pretty well, then you can say a new customer who signs up on average is worth X dollars to my company. And you can just put that in as the estimate. So every time somebody buys something from your company, you can say, okay, that, that person's worth $97. You know, so some people may buy more, some people may buy less, some stay longer, you know, whatever. But you can say on average, the lifetime value of my customers is $97. So if I'm running ads, you know, I could get my ads in there under say, you know, 50 bucks, then we're making good money, right? So the cost to acquire a customer. So let's talk about goals for a minute. Because, I mean, you mentioned that early on, and we've talked about it several times about meeting your goals and how, you know, saying I'm going to hire someone to write four blog posts a month. The only goal you have is how many blog posts you're going to get. What is a typical goal that a company should have? Is it like an acquisition number or, you know, what's what's kind of normal goals that you see from companies? Yeah, I, I would actually say there's probably not a whole lot of normalcy, right? I mean, ultimately, you know, in the space we're in B2B tech, we're looking at generally some kind of level of MQL, right? So marketing qualified lead, SQL, maybe it's total contacts created. There's some some aspect of feeding a pipeline, right? It's going to be that that degree. The hard part of that, like, you know, from a marketing context is, is marketing isn't sales, right? In the sense that you can't just transpose that goal into marketing. There's a lot of I think good, good thought leadership going out there on LinkedIn now about this from marketing perspective. Marketing, you know, we, we go out into the unknowns, right? Like sales qualified guys, they're, they're working people who have at least expressed some interest, but we're going out into the unknowns. And so, you know, you can definitely put MQLs as a goal for marketing to say, we want to generate X amount of MQLs for marketing. Great. But that ultimately can't be the benchmark in which marketing performs. So like, we follow like an OKR process, OKR goals. You can look it up. There's a great book. Um, Doer is the, the guy who wrote it, but it's called Measure What Matters. It's a Google goal framework, but it's objectives and key results. So I, I love objectives as being like MQLs, but from a marketing perspective, like you need to focus on some key results, whether it's increasing web traffic or increasing conversion rate, things like that. Because ultimately, 
marketing done well will actually hit a plane of existence that depends on the market, right? So we all we all experienced COVID last year. Markets shifted, markets changed. We saw campaigns that were running beautifully for 12, 18 months previously stop working. That's a market factor, right? That isn't like, we did nothing to change that. So our MQL as a goal, like it was great. Our objective was okay, but the key results were even, even able to shift. So kind of thinking about that perspective, I think you know, marketing teams should be held to goal standards. They should be balanced both on like an objective, like we're trying to create MQLs and then the reality of what's going on in the market that they're facing because they're not just working leads, right? They're working the unknown universe, like all people in the world, right? Or the target audience. They're trying to reach that target audience, introduce something, pull them in, help them convert. It's a much longer deeper drag then you know it's kind of like we're dragging them from the, the the goal line all the way to the red zone and then the sales team is dragging them in the red zone like they got a much higher conversion rate able to kind of do that kind of process and we're 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 sleeping a much longer bay in that process so i think from a goal setting perspective you should not focus on just getting stuff done you should hold a marketing team to some kind of performance metric but something that they can much more tangibly control, like again, increasing web traffic is a great, great example, or increasing conversion rate, or looking at your bounce rates, your analytics. Look at these kind of key objective results that ultimately, if they increase, will they accomplish the objective? Yes, they should in a good market context, but it's it's kind of holding them in that, that process. I think, especially in the demand gen space, lead generation space, which we're in, there's a lot of factors that are not in our control. Again, like the market itself is one of those things. I mean, sometimes there's no leads. You know, we have, we see seasonal fluctuations quite frequently, especially in B2B. I mean, we're coming up on July here soon. We're going to see vacation season, leads go down. It's just a reality in those spaces. So to, to hold a hard lead count or a hard close round, I like the idea of thinking about the metrics associated with it. The idea of let's keep our conversion rate at a certain rate. If we get less leads in, we're still converting at the right kind of rate to build business. And we can fluctuate with that. I think there's a lot of spilled blood on the, you know, on the sales floor trying to hit, you know, MQL goals at a certain height during a bad season, right? Trying to like trying to close the most leads ever, you know, in November or something, right? It's just like a strange, strange challenge. We, in the US here, we've got Thanksgiving, it's a short month and people aren't buying or maybe they're, they're doing annual buying, they're going to close in December. So just being, being realistic, I think, with what we can do in goal setting and from an agile perspective, kind of jumping over to the book, I mean, everything we do in the agile marketing world is goal based. And so you have to have some goal to work through. Like you would never come to the conclusion of let's do five blog posts. Like for what, right? Like for why, like why, what's the why behind something like that? So if you have a goal, then you can start thinking about the application. I mean, people who buy, like I want you to do our social media, just post at least 10 times a week. Why, why, what's the why behind that? We're trying to increase our engagement, trying to increase our things like that's, that gets you quickly to where the metrics you should be tracking in that process. Yeah, I think you're totally right on which metrics there are. I think something that companies probably don't do as often as they should do is, is you know, have kind of a a percentage-based seasonal adjustment, right, for goals. Because you can just look back at your sales records, right, for the last however many years. That's going to tell you, you know, oh, well, sales dip around Christmas time or sales go way up around Christmas time, you know, depending upon what kind of company it is and uh, stuff's easy to figure out. Then you're going to adjust your goals. Right. And that way, you know, like if, if it's your busiest time of year is the spring and you have the same goal for your salespeople as they have in the fall, when you're not as busy or it's harder to get leads, then what happens is they work their ass off in the fall and then they sit on their ass in the spring. Right. Because, you know, you, you, you have to give them a higher target. And I mean, I used to work at commission sales and in commission sales, we did it all the time, right? Every month was tracked of, 
this is our past year and this is the year before that. And the, the, so these are our goals and this is our expectation. And our company wants 6% across the board growth. So we have 6% more goal than we had last year of this month's goal, you know, and all that stuff is, is really well tracked and, you know, things that get measured are the things that get improved. So. Yeah. No, I don't want to come off as a, a guy who's not, you know, pro growth or things that like obviously we're really pro growth. We're in lead gen. Like that's what we do. But I think there's just a balance to that. And I think I'll be, I'm working on a, a longer blog post about this because I think there's some challenges. We talk about like the the at home burnout and things people are going through this this year. I think there's a lot of things with trying to factor growth in a strange economy and things like that. But yeah, I think there's a point to kind of put it out there. And you know, I would also say too, I think if there's opportunity, I don't think your sales team's going to like not take it, right? Like they're not going to. I mean, they may it's commission, right? Yeah, I mean, it really depends on your team, right? But. Yeah, it doesn't a team, right? It's a team issue, not a metrics issue, right? So it's like, there's opportunity, they're going to take it. But again, like holding them to a 15% growth in the toughest season of the year, unbased on what it is, it's just, it's unrealistic. It's almost like out of touch. It kind of alienates the team, probably demoralizes them. Honestly, they're like, we're not even going to try to hit this thing because it's not even close, right? Give them something tangible. So it's like that key result is like, well, let's increase our call volume by X amount of percent, right? Let's increase our touches. Let's try to get more customer testimonials this month. Like move the goals around and make it make sense for your team so you can get some profitable movement in that direction. And obviously the, the sales may take care of themselves in that case. Yeah, there's, that's an excellent point. And you can do a lot of, you know, this isn't really a lead generation thing, but in those slow times is a great time to set up time to reconnect with your clients you haven't heard from in a long time. And you know what happens is you plant those seeds, right? Because you go back to talk to your all, all your clients who've been there a long time, let them know you're glad that they're still clients and, and all those things, see if there's anything they need, whatever. And then what happens is 60, 90 days down the road, you're getting those leads again because they remember that you talked to them and they go, oh yeah, I talked to Bob the other day. Bob needs your thing, you know? So tell me more about the book, Ride the Tornado. Yeah, great. So yeah, the actually the idea of Ride the Tornado came from, well, the, the, the process itself, the agile marketing process, what's called the RTX framework, rapid thinking and executing is, is the process we follow at New North. So this is our kind of internal recipe, kind of our ops guide to how we view marketing and rapid change. So our, our kind of you know working mantra here is like taking charge of change. Like how do you manage that in a digital world and a transforming world? I, I wrote this actually at the end of 2019. So I kind of written the book looking good. I had a launch date for early 2021 or sorry, 2020. And, you know, the, you know, we heard about Wuhan, things started like you know, ramping up and, you know, we kind of shelved it at that moment, but ultimately it was a book written for, for this time, I think in that case, because the, the challenge we get asked a lot, you know, this, I'm sure you get the same thing, Matt. It's like people come to us and they say, well, what, what should I do with this? Like, what should I do with, uh, I've heard about the cookie list thing, or I've heard about the mobile first, or I've heard about this new SEO algorithm or the Panda update or whatever it may be, or the, you know, all these different marketing. Reality is like, guess what? Here's a secret. Like, we don't know either. Like, we've got to figure it out, right? Like, who knew what was going to come with Pinterest? Or who knows what's going to come with TikTok? Or who knows what's going to come with that? The reality is what we need as marketers, as thinkers, as directors, as VPs of sales, we need actually a process to process change, right? A process to go through and think, how do we actively test this and figure it out? There is no secret playbook that all the marketers get like from the companies on how to use it correctly. Like we're all figuring it out too. So I've, I've benefited, sounds like you, know, you as well, from being on the front side of the digital revolution, right? Like I know what UTM and UTM code stands for because I was there when Google bought Urchin, right? I, I was there when this whole wave kind of crested and kind of came into the space. And so what were we doing at that point? 
we're figuring it out, right? We're figuring it out, turning it around, productizing it, selling it to clients and figure out how to make it work and leading them in that process. They want to do digital. They want to do this. And honestly, we're doing stuff now that our clients will probably want to adopt in the next six to 12 months as we kind of can lead that process. So the RTX framework, this rapid thinking and executing is very simple. Three basic steps. You can obviously get more information on the website, rythetornado.com, but it's like assessing, looking at data. Let's understand, let's assess, look at data very deeply. Data is a huge part of what we do. We ideate. So we think of new ways to use that tool, to experiment, to kind of push into those tools and, and figure out what we can, what can we do? Like, how can we use Clubhouse? How can we use TikTok? How can we look at cookie lists? Like, let's experiment. Let's ideate. Let's look at new solutions. And then we execute. That's kind of the bottom. So we actually go out there and do it. Let's go run the co- campaign. Let's run the program. Let's do these pieces. And then we get back and we look at what happened. Like we look at the data, look at that process again, and then we go do the whole process one more time, right? These three steps over and over again. We typically handle that in a monthly cadence with our clients. But, but even, even to the things you do know, like paid ads, same thing can exist. Let's look at the data. Let's try some experimentation. Let's make some iterations, some ads. Let's run them. Let's look at the data and do it again and again. So it's a very simple, in a sense, scientific um, method for doing this. But the reality is it not only applies to the things that you're currently doing, but it applies to the things that are coming up in the market. And I think once you get a, a handle on something like this, the next newsletter that comes through with some new tool or the new change in the market or the new new software or the new new interface we have with this, it just feeds into that kind of system and thinking that you already have in place. And also, you know, getting to our goal conversation, the RTX framework allows you to process goals in a good way because at the center of that wheel, and there's a nice graphic in the book, is the word goal. Like you're doing everything you want to do in an agency side or in a marketing side around a goal, whether that's generating leads or increasing your conversion rate. So all these activities, all your ideas you're creating, you're assessing, you know, what's my current conversion rate? What's factors of that? Let's do these experiments. Let's do this marketing to change that. We execute it. Yeah, we fixed it. Great. Let's move on. We keep circling that goal, almost like just kind of narrowing in and kind of circling the wagons around what we're trying to accomplish. And ultimately, that's how you get to it. The, the digital marketing world, you know, as you know, is is so challenging in, in different ways. And say what worked last year isn't working this year. And it just constantly moves. And so there is no play, rote playbook. There is no 12-month marketing plan. I mean, these are all things that are just gone from our world because of the nature of what digital marketing means and does now. And I think the progressive people in the space know that they get it. They're, they're already realizing, you know what, we just need to be kind of always pursuing a goal-based approach and look at that, not, you know, sketching out this long plan. It, it kills the, you know, kills CMOs. It kills the C-suite because it's hard to you know, understand, but you know, you have budgets, you kind of work through and kind of figure that out, but there may be opportunity to pour on budget, right. To, to work through those things. So it's a little less rote. It's harder in a bureaucracy to do that. Obviously we have some, we have some big clients some fortune um, 500 clients that can't really do this because of the nature of their work. But for most clients, most small businesses, even midsize, you know, SBA, you know, $50 million businesses that still considered small businesses, you know, you can do something like this really actively and just get a better grip on that. So ride a tornado is this idea of, you know, it's just spinning the circle. You're kind of riding it, taking it to a destination. And it's, you know, these things can rock your world. This change can rock your world. And so how do you get a hold of that and really manage it and go forward in that process? So there's the, you know, hopefully few, few minute kind of description there of that book. Yeah, there's also, uh, it, it's a great way to keep your staff and your company engaged because you're not just doing this sort of grind. Man, I I've seen some crazy stuff over the years. (laughs) You know, there is this company once I saw and I was like, did you realize that there's nowhere on your website to go to the blog, but you still have someone writing the blog every week and none of them are showing up in search or anything. 
And what had happened was they had changed the website and the layout and stuff in, you know, kind of on a, on a demo site. Right. And then they put that into production, but the content writer was still writing on the old site. So it wasn't even going to the live website anymore. It's six years they've been writing it since they updated it. Oh my goodness. Six years. Somebody wrote a blog post every week that didn't even go to their website because nobody was like, well, nobody was driving the train, right. Of, of how should we change? It was, everybody's just doing their thing. Right. Wow. Man, you want to talk about the enemy of productivity is yeah. Just keep doing that grind over and over and over when, I mean, so much of this stuff is exciting. It's fun. It's good to test, right? It's, it's interesting to look at and do something and see results and, and, you know, and you get to kind of check out some cool new technologies and stuff. I'm not saying that you should have shiny object syndrome and chase everything that comes down the pipe, but you know, you should be iterating with advertising and, and testing out new platforms to see if they're a good fit for your company. You know, and I was really hoping that you were going to say that your idea for Ride the Lightning came from Sharknado, but. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, yeah, they're different things. You hit on a great point too with that. Like in the book I talk about, I mean, the, the book is written really for, you know, for, for marketing leaders, right? Because a lot of our, our clients are, you know, we have some CMOs as our contacts and some marketing directors, but even VP of sales, like even marketing team, that's a, it's a critical point. You, you mentioned it in a, in a good way. You know, no one likes that rote grind in the marketing department. No one likes that idea. Um, but it's a way to engage them. And actually in the book, I cover like managerial tactics of how to operate the system in your company. Like it's one thing to tell you about the theory um, again, we, we do this on a daily basis here. So I, I gave all the tools for like how to actually run this, like meeting agendas, things like that in the book. So you can take the process, introduce your team and start working through that process. I mean, there's a great book that I, I admittedly would say is, you know, influenced They called the four disciplines of execution. Most people have, have read this in the business world. Great book, similar kind of approach to it, kind of setting up the tools and processes to do that. But you'll find a much deeper engagement from your team when you guys are aligning on the why, right? You know, go to Simon Sinek or whatever, like you're aligning on the why, you're aligning on the goal and then you tap the ideas of your team, right? Maybe blogs are not the best thing. Maybe it's something else, but you allow your team to help ideate in that. You get much better results. You get what you're actually paying for, which is a thinking body, not a robot, right? You get someone to kind of contribute to that. And it gives you all the process from how you measure that, how you kind of hold accountability in that process. And to your point, we typically recommend roughly about 20% of your budget in a given month should be for those experimental pieces, right? Try something different experimental. Like there's some tried and true things, right? Your pay-per-click is going to work and it's going to be the workhorse, right? Your Facebook ads, maybe the workhorse, but put some of that aside and, and just go to the next thing. Cause I mean, you, you don't have to be in marketing that long to realize that that workhorse is going to be lame soon. Things just change. Like you can tweak it, but you know, there was a huge fluctuation in online traffic last year and it just, just comes. I mean, maybe three years is running great, but eventually it'll change. Email fluctuates and effectiveness. And so you always got to be keeping you know, one foot kind of looking for the next, you know, next step where the other one falls into the river, right? You always got to keep moving. And that's one of the bigger mistakes. We have clients coming to us who basically are drowning saying like everything we've been doing isn't working anymore. It's like, well, when did you pick up those ideas? Like, well, we've been doing it for like the past five years, the same thing the past five years. Now, none of it's working. Like they waited for the last shoe to drop, so to speak on all their marketing efforts where nothing's happening now. Like when they could have been at the first indication starting to move and change and pivot and it's not be such a disaster situation where their sales team sitting in their, you know, bullpen with nothing to do because they have no leads. So yeah, it's, it's definitely a process to adjust to. It's a difficult conversation to have with a company is say, we want to take some of the budget away from these things that are currently working. 
and put it towards something that may or may not work in the future. But I know that sounds ridiculous to some people, but the thing about it is if you don't do that, then what you're currently doing is eventually going to die and then you're really screwed. So it's kind of like an insurance policy. It's an insurance policy against the future. Right. It's also prevents the gold rush too, right? Because the reality is, I mean, I think like there's many, many speakers in the marketing space who advocate this too. It's like to some degree, you get out there early enough, you might find the better return on investment, right? So I think there's the like insurance policy angle. And there's also the like, we could find something really, really good. But if we wait for the whole world to validate that this is a really good idea, we're too late. Costs are up. And so it's like, we need to go out there almost in a prospecting kind of, you know, called the gold rush. We got to go find the mine and we got to go find the river that has the good gold in it. Because we can, if we're focusing on ROI, focusing on cost per acquisition, whatever it may be, we can find those, you know, those gems out there before the whole world flocks to it. And all of a sudden it's like, you know, Instagram ads, boom, like everyone in the world moves to it or it's back to your paper, like boom. So we actually even will go the opposite sometimes. So if the world shifts over to this, we'll go back to something they dropped like a year ago. Right. Cause it's just, you just go walk away from the crowd here, walk back over here. Like, you know, we go back to email and everyone goes paid when people go like last year when paid pay went down, we pushed more clients into paid. The cost was down. It was easier to get ad space. So, and that was hard. And, you know, one of the, the good testimonies, and I hope many marketing firms did this. I mean, we, we increased our spending March through May of last year in paid ads. Right. If we wanted our clients to do that, we had to lead the way too in that process. So it's again kind of that leadership role we take in the agency of if we're gonna have consulting, if we're gonna do good leadership in that and convince them, we need to live it out, live it out as well. So I think there's a, a thing of saying, like, let's go experiment here. And I, I share with our clients like where we're experimenting. They love to hear that. It's like, oh, you're trying that. How's it working? Like it's pretty good for us. I mean, you're different than us, but could work. And so, you know, our marketing, a lot of it, probably even more than 20%. Is, is in that kind of experimental space because we know what works for us, but we put more of that into, you know, almost R&D in that space too. So using, you know, using your own company as a guinea pig to try this out as it works, as it works. Like we don't, we don't do things like TikTok because that's not a B2B tech thing right now. Like we're in the, on the consumer side, we're on the tech side. So things that make sense we can do and we'll kind of pivot towards. Right. Yeah. I mean, we'll always dabble a little bit in the new stuff of whatever it is. Like, I don't care what it is. Something like, you know, TikTok or Clubhouse or something, right? You know, we'll try those things out, test them. But we aren't looking for a return on investment when we're testing those things to start with. We just, we, we want to know, number one, does it work at all, right? Like, is, is this something that is even worthwhile to spend any time on? <laughs> and then kind of number two is, you know, is the, the client base either there or going to be there eventually for the client that we would use this for? I mean, we have... We don't just work in tech. Actually, we work very little in tech. We mostly work in B2B in the real estate space and then kind of some direct-to-consumer and stuff like that. So, you know, TikTok, still not a great ROI for us. We don't have anybody that would really use that. But we've got accounts on it. We've tried it. We know how it works. We know how it functions. Clubhouse, kind of the same thing. You know, we tested it out. We did some some scheduled shows and stuff on there to kind of test that out, see how it works, see how it functions. But what's interesting is it's important as an agency, and I'm sure that you'll agree with this too, is that when the client says, oh, I just read an article in Forbes about Clubhouse, should we be doing something on Clubhouse? You could say yes or no, right? Because you've tried it already. 
Right. Or have some, some informed opinion on what we think they should do. Yeah. Or, or say, you know, yeah, we know how to function. We know how to work this thing and this is how it works. And you can make your decision from that. Cause I mean, honestly, you're a business owner running your business. Your time is not well spent learning how to use TikTok unless you are also the salesperson and marketing team for your business. Right. 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 Exactly. So Tobin, if somebody wants to get a hold of you or get the book, what's the best ways to do those two things? Wonderful. I, I would suggest, you know, reaching out at either, you know, newnorth.com. You can find us there. You can find me on LinkedIn. That's kind of where I spend most of my time on LinkedIn, you know, send out a friend request. To find out about the book, you can go to ridethetornado.com. So we can be able to get that URL, which is great. So ride the tornado, you can find, you know, links to the books or your Amazon, you know, whatever store you want to go through there. The ebook is out as well, or the um, audio, sorry, is out as well now, which is great. And you also find resources. I have the agendas there, some of the you know, templates you can use to run the process. So we try to make this as open source as we can, people to start trying to use the process and really go into that agile marketing framework and really change the way they think now more than ever to be able to think, let's think more aggressively, let's think more agilely about our marketing going into 2021, 2022, as we don't really know. I don't think there's going to be stability in, in you know the future for a while yet here. So we need to be agile and think about how we can take advantage and hit goals and do the right thing. So ridethetornado.com. Perfect. And we'll put those in the show notes and they will be right underneath your show player down in that box that no one ever clicks on to open to get the links, but it's there if you need it. And also it'll be, you could just type it in people. That's what most people do. So ridethetornado.com and the new North. Tobin, thank you so much to come on the show to talk about attribution and agile marketing today. I think it's going to help a lot of businesses, you know, make that decision to see if they want to start trying something new. Awesome. Thanks, Matt. It's been a pleasure. This has been Digital Marketing Masters with Matt and Carrie Rouse. For notes and a transcript of this episode, go to hookseo.com forward slash podcast. Join us next week as we dive into more tips and ideas to grow your business. Digital Marketing Masters is brought to you by Hook SEO Digital Marketing. Our show is produced by Matthew Rouse and Scott Burson. Mixed and edited by Silent Outburst Productions. I'm your announcer, Daniel D. Craig. We would love to hear your thoughts. Please leave us an honest review with your podcast provider. Your reviews help us help more business leaders just like you.